questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Good evening and Merry Christmas to those of you of the Christian faith. This interview is airing on Christmas Eve, so many of you will listen later while you celebrate with family and friends. And I know many of you are not able to do so because of all the circumstances surrounding 2020. And if you are spending it without company, you are never alone. Not when the night is darkest, the wind coldest, the world seemingly most indifferent. And that, of course, is the message of Christmas. We are never alone. Just know I'm thinking of you. So get comfortable and enjoy tonight's episode. Can a Christian be possessed? Do God's angels and Satan's demons dwell unseen among us, engaged in spiritual warfare? Are ghosts and spirit manifestations real? How about aliens and UFOs? If you believe in the Bible, you already have faith in the unseen. Unusual experiences are a testimony of sacred scripture and the gateway to understanding the power of God in your life. Just like in biblical times, mysterious forces are still at work today. The paranormal world is a merely scary hunting and occult legends. Tonight's special guest will discuss his own true spiritual journey and real stories of others to correlate supernatural phenomena and the biblical worldview without compromising either. It's time to bring paranormal back into the light where it belongs. So stay with us. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, CBD pure hemp oil, Divinia water, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Richard D. Lewis is an author, journalist, and veteran of the U.S. Air Force. A graduate of the Defense Information School's writing, broadcast, and public affairs programs, Richard joined the Air Force in 1987 and spent 10 years as a broadcast journalist stationed in Turkey, Utah, and Colorado. After his time serving in the Air Force, Richard worked in TV production in Salt Lake City, Utah, and Los Angeles, California. Creator of the award-winning Pentagon Channel, TV news magazine, Air Force Space Today, he has won multiple telly and Thomas Jefferson Awards. Richard has been featured in many publications and has a new book titled The Paranormal Christian, Bridging the Gap Between Unusual Experiences and the Biblical Worldview. His website is Zoran, Z-O-R-A-N, ZoranPress.com. Richard Lewis joins us from Gardena, California. Hello, Richard. Thank you for your service to our country. Merry Christmas and welcome to Veritas. How are you? 
Hey, Mel, doing great. Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners out there. Thank you. Well, Richard, you have a very interesting story. But before you share your story with us, I just want to make a comment and and ask you a question. Many of our religious listeners, when they, they hear the word paranormal, which in my opinion is the same as supernatural, or when we discuss UFOs, aliens, etc., many of them always say it's demons, it's the devil. Do you agree with them, or are you approaching the topic from a different perspective? Oh, yes. Um, I definitely am approaching it from the, the different perspective. Uh, but the thing is, is there's a lot more, it's, it's a lot more nuanced than a lot of uh, believers understand, and a lot of the more you know, traditional paranormal enthusiasts understand. Um, so first of all, as you said, the word paranormal, uh, I know that's a trigger word for many people of the faith, but it's really, it really shouldn't be because paranormal simply means supernatural. And to be a Christian is to believe in the supernatural. Um, our Bible, the testimony of sacred scripture, it is a paranormal book from cover to cover. And uh, so to be a Christian and the other thing, too, is the thing I'm wondering about is why should we let the forces of darkness co-opt this word? I mean, it's, it, is, um, it is what we are if you believe the Bible. Okay, fair enough, and I'm glad you said that because believing is trusting the unseen, trusting the unprovable, telling science that if you cannot prove it, then we have to leave it on the spiritual side. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree with that. Now, I do think that... Uh, Science definitely informs our understanding. Uh, if, if you read my book, The Paranormal Christian, uh, I, there's definitely a lot of science in there. Uh, in fact, I have um, nearly 700 references, so it's, it's very well researched. But I think these things all can be viewed through the lens of understanding that there is a creator, and we have a divine revelation in the in the canon of scriptures, but uh, God is bigger than, than the Bible. He's bigger than, and than all of us. Um, God is an extraterrestrial for the those who, uh, who enjoy the ancient aliens theory, but but extraterrestrial in that he created the earth, so he's not of the earth. Neither are his are his uh, created beings, the angels, uh, and so forth. The created, um, um, but at at some point you have to turn to faith. Um, I have had this experience of knowing God. Uh, I didn't have to go to church to learn about God. I've always had this this presence, this voice speaking to me. And um, over over time, I, I I explored. I've always been a seeker, and I want to find out the, you know, what is that voice that's talking to me? And then beyond that, you know, through through experience with the church and various uh, congregations, denominations, getting to know what the sacred scriptures reveal, but also being a seeker and being interested in these other uh, thoughts and philosophies. And and I welcome all diverse opinions on on these matters. But really, the over time, what I've discovered is the the Bible. I don't think co- contradicts. Uh, the things that we're observing in in archaeology, in science, and in uh, those of us uh, exploring the paranormal, I believe it all fits together, and I'm trying to correlate those worlds and uh, bring it all together for everyone. Well, let's begin with your story, because you have a very paranormal or supernatural story, uh, you yourself, correct? Oh, yes. Well, um, I mean, my life was saved by the paranormal. So I was abducted as a, as a young child. Um, you know, back in those days— yeah, we wouldn't do this at all today, but back then, you know, being a latchkey kid, being a Gen Xer, you know, we used to go everywhere, walk uh, for miles and miles, and we didn't think anything of it. You know, we used to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. We would disappear and be gone for hours and come back with pillowcases full of pounds of <laughs> yes. candy. And so it was no big deal back then. But 
So I used to have to, I had to walk uh, over two miles um, when I got off the school bus uh, in, in first grade and um, to get to my grandma's house. And uh, so I was on one of these walks. I had done it many times. Uh, it was very routine. And I was abducted. Um, I was abducted by a, 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 a teenage uh, man, a young man. And uh, he took me to a, to a shack where he had a, a, a partner. And um, they proceeded to... Um, you know, they were, uh, they were about to tie me up and, and, and who knows, God knows what, what would have happened. And, um, you know, the two of these men were, you know, they overpowered me. I was only like, I say I was, uh, I was just a, just a little six year old boy. So, um, and you know, that's, a, that's a very small child. And I really didn't understand what was going on to be honest, but I knew it was something bad. I knew it wasn't good. And, um, there was uh, definitely some some uh, some trepidation there. That, you know, I mean, I knew I was un- it was unsettling, and uh, so these these men questioned me and they asked me some questions. They they um, you know asked embarrassing questions. Um, it was very very strange for a child to deal with. But uh, then finally uh, they decided to tie me up. So the older man um, asked, um, you know, they had the had the had the teenager sit me down in the chair. And as the two of them were about to bind me with with a piece of rope, there was a there was a, a, like a split second where um, their hands were trying to exchange the rope, where I was not being held, and I heard a voice as loud and clear as your voice right now speaking, and it said, "Run now!" And I didn't question it; I just instinctually jumped up, and and it was a split second, but it was all the time that I needed, and. I ran to the to the door of the shack. It was it was uh, deadbolted. I I undid the deadbolt. The the originally was right uh, right behind me. I mean, I could basically feel his breath on on the hairs of my neck. And I ran out of the shack, and the sunlight exploded like a supernova as I as I escaped. And this kid gave chase, and I'm and I don't know how I did it, other than it was just was a plain miracle. But it was like I was flying, Mel. It was like my legs turn into a blur and I've never ran this fast before in my life. Now I, you know, um, I was a pretty good runner in high school and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't bad, but this was the fastest I've ever experienced my body moving. And the kid was chasing me and he was, like I say, a, 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 a healthy teenage boy, uh, at least healthy physically, probably not healthy mentally, obviously, but he tired. And I remember looking over my shoulder and he doubled over and I never slowed down. I was, it was, a uh, I was, uh, it was on Pine Street in Greensboro, North Carolina, where this happened. I crossed the railroad tracks and crossed over uh, East Market Street, and there was my grandmother uh, up, up the, scampered up the steps right into her welcoming arms. And you know they were going like my aunt Kathy came out, and they're going like, "Where have you been?" Et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you know they called the police, and the police came out and took a report, but uh, they never found these these two um, uh, people that abducted me. But I know the voice saved me right there, and I knew from that moment forward that um, I was here for a reason, and uh, I'm so thankful to God. Uh, for for saving me that day, did that teenage boy was he driving a car? How did he abduct you? So I was crossing the railroad tracks, and he was actually walking down the railroad tracks. And I don't know if um, and, you know, we used to do this as well, where we would uh, you know, you would walk on railroad tracks and as a way to get around town because yeah. uh, the the cut that the tracks tend to cut through areas where streets don't necessarily go. And you can get from one end of town pretty quickly to the other on the railroad tracks. So this this kid was just walking on the railroad tracks. And as I was m- making my way crossing the tracks, he spotted me and shouted. And I heard this voice over my shoulder, his voice. And it said, hey, kid, wait up. Slow down. Hey, hold on. You know, 
And I mean, again, I was six years old and I just, I was just obedient to someone calling me and telling me to stop, which, um, in retrospect, I have to wonder like, why did I even stop in the first place? Um, but I was not, I had no suspicion in my body. I was not, uh, it wasn't even, it didn't even occur to me as a little child that this, that there was anything wrong until he wouldn't let me go because, um, it was before, before he took me to the shack, uh, we stayed on the street side there, um, on Pine street, right, right before you get to East market. And, uh, he would grab my arms and hold me. And, um, there would be cars would pass by. And I remember, uh, one car actually slowed down and was kind of like checking out, like what the heck's going on out there. So what this kid did was he's hands and dancing me around and twirling me around and acted like we were playing. Um, like maybe he was my big brother or something. Mm. And then when the, when the person would pass, would, would, would drive on, then he would go back to whatever. And if I, and I tried to run away and he would grab me, you know? And so I couldn't escape his grasp. And, um, and he took me on down the railroad tracks, uh, to the shack and, you know, he would shove me in the, my back and knock me down if I, if I, you know, uh, so there was no, I was captured. There was nothing, there was no escaping this. What do you think the reason for the abduction was? And I'm sure you didn't find out luckily, thank God. But what do you think there was, They, they they wanted you in the shack. I mean, I don't know. Um, I I I definitely didn't understand it back then. Um, I think um, they were probably going to rape and murder me. Quite mm. honestly, yeah, right. Did you ever take the law enforcement because, over because there to the to the shack? Me. No, no. My uh, my family uh, didn't didn't um, they. No, they, I mean, I was just a little kid and the officers weren't really interested in talking to me. I mean, I did come out and I was like kind of by my grandmother and my, and my aunt, uh, when the police were there and they were basically like, Hey, are you okay? That kind of thing or whatever. But, you know, I was just a little kid and they, 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 they were not about to put me through that. And, uh, um, I'm not sure if my parents, uh, well, my mother was working at the, at the time, but I'm not sure that my the caregivers, my grandmother or my aunt would have even let them do that. Uh, and I don't recall them ever asking or offering to, for me to go point it out, but my aunt certainly did tell them where it was and everything. And, uh, apparently they never, they never found these individuals. I hope that they uh, are no longer on this plane because when, when something like this happens to a child, I mean, you it's, were it's you evil. were a lucky one. You were a lucky one, but that that is not the same luck that some other children go through. So you you're right, and this was probably a miracle. So what what have after so many years of this event happening? What do you think happened? Have you gotten any answers to those questions you've had for decades? Well, you know, um, I think that we're all here for a reason, and I certainly don't think I'm any more special than any of the other people in God's creation. Uh, but I do think that, um, that we have intuition and we have a connection to the divine. And I believe that God is speaking to us. And I do think that we have guardian angels that, that talk to us. The thing is, is that, um, I believe people always get the warnings. I don't think that it's kind of, it's like, um, guardian angels just, uh, are on break whenever people get abducted and, and terrible things happening i think sometimes just people are, are distracted and and they're not really paying attention so uh, the more in touch with the uh the spiritual that you can be um the more you can devote yourself to to god to prayer to quiet time the more i believe that you will you will hear this voice uh speaking to you too and, and um you know in the bible it talks about the voice of god being a still small voice and in this case um 
it, it was a very loud and clear shout, and I'm very glad for that. But I don't think um, nefarious things happen without uh, without some warning. But at the end of the day, um, it's the choices of evil people that sometimes causes others to suffer. It's really not it's not God um, that's causing the suffering. It's it's uh, the bad choices that people make, and um, and so that if there's anything that I can uh, share share with the world. It would be to, you know, connect to connect to God, connect to your higher self, to connect to your angels, and um, and and you will find uh, you will find that safety, you will find that salvation, and you know by staying out of trouble, usually trouble will avoid you. But in that case, hey, you know, um, I was I was out. I mean, maybe a child shouldn't be uh, in an unsupervised situation like that. And and these days, we we definitely would not never let our children be walking, you know, two miles every night uh, or coming home from school. <laughs> I, you know, I'm listening to you. When did this happen? I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what, what, uh, in what year were you born? I was born in 1969. Okay, that's what I thought. I was, I was born in 1967. I thought this probably was two years after. So 1976. Would you say that's when this event happened? 75, 76. Yes, sir. It would have, it would have been in that in that time frame. And actually, I did a little research, um, and there were some. Um, there were some some child abduction strings uh, that were going on in the in the mid to late '60s uh, that I that I'm that I was able to see, and um, you know these kind of things have 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 continued to propagate on. But there were some some pretty serious things going on um, as far as you know knowing for sure who these the, the suspects in this case were. But they maybe they were wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, maybe they're listening right now, and um, I, I certainly. Um, just uh, just pray that um, you know they, they would ask for forgiveness uh, mental, mental issues that they have and uh, again it all comes down to evil and uh, evil is a real and present force in the world it's not more powerful than God by by any means and at this Advent time and, and Christmas Eve you know um, just the, the looking at the positive I mean we've got we've got signs in the heavens we've got conjunctions happening that haven't ha- happened for hundreds of years. So uh, as much as evil is real, the power of God is even more real. And as you as you pontificate on the um, the meaning of the star of Bethlehem and what was it? Was it you know was it planets aligning? Was it a comet? You know it was probably a conjunction. But basically, it's still the power of God speaking to man and his and his power. If you just reach for Him, um, uh, I think everything else is going to fall into place. Just keep your eyes on on Him. Uh, Christ said, "Abide in me, and I will abide in you." And I and He always has with me. I think that's exactly what's happening. It's the conjunction of uh, the planets there that uh, create this illusion of a very, you know, the star of Bethlehem. I mean, what the wise men said and supposedly what directed them to to, to Jesus. But, you know, I'm thinking of, of that time when you were abducted. I mean, I remember in the 70s, the freedoms that we had today. I mean, what we thought was freedom, our parents allowing us to just be out and come back home to dinner when the lights come up uh, on the street lights come out right some people saw right. that today they would think this is child abuse but this is the way that we grew up yes no seat belts i mean some of the things that we did back in the day and yeah. we're still alive today and i don't know if this is making a lot of the youth today weak um you know i respect what they do today they're 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 so advanced when it comes well, to computers you know, there's definitely uh something that go ahead yes sir mel that's a, that's a very good point i mean there's something to be said for uh, uh, spending time on the on on the playground and uh, getting a few bumps and bruises. And uh, you know, we didn't have bike helmets. 
Uh, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, I mean, you know, if you made an appointment, uh, it was based on a phone call and on a landline and you better find a phone booth. Um, if anything goes amiss and, uh, it, yeah. So, um, and our parents weren't negligent because it was how they grew up. You know, my, my mom and dad, um, they they were children, uh, they grew up in the fifties and it was certainly like that with them as well. I mean, you know, you get on your bike, you go to some place and you're playing baseball or football all day. You know, your parents aren't going to see you literally for six, seven, eight, nine hours or more. And nobody thinks anything about it. If you, as long as you report home sometime before the next morning, you'd probably be okay. <laughs> exactly. Now, have you experienced anything else since that event happened that triggered you to write this book? Yes, sir. Uh, definitely. And, um, I don't, um, you know, I don't want people to think that I see demons under every rock. And, um, I try to look at it from a, from a pretty scientific and skeptical viewpoint, but just understanding from the supernatural viewpoint of the biblical writers, because we've kind of lost that uh, supernatural worldview. Uh, you have to understand the Bible from the context of the people who wrote it through God's inspiration. It's kind of like, you know, the star of Bethlehem. A lot of critics in the, of the Bible will try to say, well, see, the Bible is, is wrong because it calls it a star. It, it's, it's not trying to be a science book. And if, if, if light, lights in the sky intersecting, uh, I see it as a star. I'm not telling a lie. If I blow my nose with, and say I, I, I blow my nose in a Kleenex, I'm not lying if it's a different brand of tissue because uh, it's like, well, was uh, Jonas a whale or a fish? Well, it was probably maybe it was a whale. It was a great sea creature. Well, the, the, the Hebrew word uh, seems like it means fish, great fish. Well, does it really matter? If I see a whale, it looks like a fish to me. Uh, it's a big, giant fish. You know. So people are a little too hard on the Bible and that, and that kind of thing. But as far as me, yes, I, um, I've had everything from I've seen ghosts, um, I've, I've, witnessed, um, I've witnessed UFOs, um, I've had uh, after-death communications with, with people, um, and I've had uh, visitations from angels, I've, 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 and I can see people's uh, angels. Uh, so, yes, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, a normal part of my life. It's, the paranormal is the new normal for many of us. And it doesn't mean you're evil or crazy. And that's another thing too, why I wanted to do, because yeah, you know, people can be, you know, there's, you can have some chemical imbalances and things like that. But this witness, this testimony of the paranormal is something that's been a part of human history since before we had written histories. People have always had, had awareness of, of spirits and angels and ghosts and exorcisms. And these, these things, uh, they cross the boundaries of religion uh, and, and it's, it's pervasive. So whether or not you agree, it's, it's scientifically provable. Uh, the weight of evidence is really heavy. If you think about the testimony that we have of the written histories, uh, and people's diaries and journey journals and, um, family histories. I mean, everybody has these stories in their families. They just, I, I think our society kind of, uh, um, puts the paranormal on the fringe and really, but people are interested in it. Like maybe they don't want to talk about it openly, but, you know, thank God for shows like yours and Coast to Coast AM and, and the other great things and uh, History Channel's uh, awesome Hangar One and Ancient Aliens and all these great places where it's safe uh, for the paranormal. And my message to Christians out there is, all you paranormal Christians, it's safe for you to come out of your paranormal Christian closet because it doesn't disrespect God at all. In fact, calling it anything but paranormal to me is, is disrespecting God because to say that it's supernatural, well, you don't know if it's supernatural. Supernatural means it's from God. Well, it, it could be preternatural. We don't know. A lot of times you you experience something and you have to discern whether it's from God or not. So I just choose to call it with with a, a parlance of the day, which is paranormal, you know, and I want to get the people that aren't, 
aren't interested in Christianity, but who are at least open spiritually to experiences to, hey, you know, take a look at what I'm saying and what I have to say, because these things are real, and it's no threat to anybody's beliefs. I mean, it's a free country. You're free to, to your free, free exercise of religion is a great tenant of our country, or the, or the freedom to not have any religion at all. That's, your, that's great, too. And science is a religion to a lot of people. And, you know, I love all of it. I love God. Yeah, not sure if you finish your statement there. You got cut off all of a sudden. But, you know, I have a—I don't mean to judge anyone, because, you know, especially during Christmas Eve, you don't want to judge anyone. But I have a problem with that, the extremes, for example. You have the very, very religious zealot. And I remember this. I was reading a UFO book many, many years ago in the lunchroom when I used to be in the corporate world. And this very, very religious, overzealous person came along and said, do you really believe that? That's demons. That's why I said that at the beginning. You should not be reading that. And I knew the person was the devout Christian. And I said, wait a second. Shouldn't you, as you said in, in your book, you trust the unseen. Why can't I be interested in this? If we live in this grain of sand that we call Earth and we have a, a big universe, if God is so magnificent and, and omnipresent, why couldn't he create more life in addition to us, why are we so? Why are you so uh, selfish to say that and arrogant? This is the height of arrogance to say that we are alone. Well, he didn't say a word. It was deer in the headlights, and he walked away. Never asked me again. And then you have the other side. You have the very devout atheist, if I can use that term, that does not believe in anything. How can you? If I take a chalk and I throw it on a blackboard, I expect. A paragraph to show up all of a sudden? You know, this is why I think that there's exactly there's there's a divine force behind all of this. So I have a problem with both extremes. Where you stand? Oh, I, I would I would agree with you completely. And here's the thing too: is I, I well, first of all, for the um, for the for the devout atheist. Uh, um, and for the skeptic, um, you know, the skeptic, you, you'll never convince. An argument won't convince. Science won't convince. If you've, if you've decided in your heart that there is no God, I mean, that's between you and God, in my opinion. And, um, you know, you're welcome to feel that way. But um, I, I don't find that people can ever be convinced uh, through argument. It's, it's a matter of the heart and where I believe God impresses upon the heart individually. So that's why I say it's between you and that person. The same would hold true for the the, uh, for the extreme on the other side. I mean, I think that God welcomes our curiosity. I mean, he wouldn't have made such a wondrous, uh, vast universe if he didn't want us to explore it. I mean, look how long we had to wait just to be able to see, you know, um, exoplanets and, and black holes and all this kind of thing. I mean, we've waited, you know, probably millions, maybe billions of years to be able to to be able to even have the ability technologically to see the stuff that he put in place all these billions of years ago. And as far as the vast aggregate out there, you know, we, we really don't know for sure, do we? But but I'll say this, um, it does seem like a huge waste of space uh, whenever we've got 100 billion galaxies or something to that nature um, in, in, our, in the known universe with 100 billion stars in each galaxy. Uh, it, it seems like a waste of space that we would be the only life out there. Um, it's not a given. And the topic of UFOs is definitely uh, it's multi-layered and complicated. I mean, um, there's a lot of being a being an Air Force veteran. I've been around a lot of um, very high tech aircraft. Um, I've seen uh, s several space launches. Um, I know what the International Space Station looks like in orbit from the Earth, and I've been gazing up at the stars my whole life. So, you know, it, when I say I've seen UFOs, um, I hope it doesn't sound fringe because I've only had two 
UFO experiences uh, in my whole life, but I've looked up at the sky every day of my life. So really, that's very rare, very rare. Um, the two as a surprise both times. But I know the difference between military aircraft and not. And our stuff, our high-tech stuff, does look like UFOs. I mean, the F-117, uh, the B-2 bomber is designed to look stealthy. It's quiet. You don't hear it. Um, it becomes a fingernail on the on the horizon. So it's not just blind to radar, and it's all black, and it can drop bombs from higher than you can even see. So that's all. that seems like something paranormal, too, but of course it's very natural. And um, we know what were actually out. In, in 1929, there were flying wings. And at that time, I mean, you know, heavier than air flight wasn't even very old. So anybody that saw a flying wing, um, it was a UFO. So I think a lot of these things... Uh, you're cutting out, Richard. You're cutting out. ...that we haven't seen that uh, the government is developing. So that probably accounts for, you know... Sorry, I was just saying that I think a lot of UFOs are technology that the government uh, is testing out secretly and, and, and everything. And then I think that uh, some of the abduction experiences, I, I think, could... But we can't declare completely like, hey, you know, there's no uh, alien life out there. I mean, the physics, the laws of physics make it really difficult planetary travel. Um, but, but I'm certainly not Christian at all or even civil or polite to just, you know, uh, wipe away somebody's beliefs, feelings, or faith. Let me ask you this. And by the way, you're cutting out. I don't know if you have any apps open where you are. Maybe you want to give a little bit more bandwidth. But anyway, I have a question regarding your experience in the Air Force. And this is something that I've been pondering for a very long time. I've seen my own UFOs. I've had my own experience. I cannot tell you if they're man-made or they're from somewhere else or another dimension. Um, but it, I saw something that I could not explain. And based on the technology that we have right now, uh, what we're told is not what it, it's out there. And we know that the, the governments and military, they say 50, 50 years ahead of us, I would say it's even more than that. But my question is, how do we know that what we see up there is not our own military? And this whole notion of, and I've, you probably have seen this lately, the Navy and, and the, 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 the government is talking about all these sightings that the military is having. Could this be a ploy to create a one world, and I hate to say this on Christmas Eve, but I have to, to create a one world government because it, that's presented to every country of earth. What a great way to unite the military to create a one world government so that we can all unite against an extraterrestrial threat. Yes, I think that's the very interesting concept that you bring up. And, uh, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't want to discount any possibilities. Okay. Well, let's dive more into your book now. You interviewed a lot of people. What was your protocol? What uh, kind of thesis did you use before you went out there to, to interview people, contact them? And tell me more about that process. Well, basically, so what I wanted to do was lay out a picture, a kind of a survey of paranormal experiences and kind of uh, um, give a little glimpse into the spectrum of things that are that are out there. Um, there's so much of it, actually, um, I couldn't even fit it all into one book, and uh, the book itself is very meaty. It's uh, over 400 pages, nearly 700 references, um, dozens of pictures, hundreds of references to the scriptures. But, um, you know, I'm only, I'm only really scratching the surface because there's so much there. But basically, I would take my own experiences and the experiences of others, both classical and uh, known and historical and unknown, 
uh, being people that I meet that, uh, and, and it, and it, a lot of it happened very organically. I mean, anything from a formal pitch to someone, uh, being like, Hey, um, I understand this happened to you. I would like to interview you for my book to something as simply, uh, as simple as standing in line at a, um, at a grocery store. And I hear somebody talking about a ghost story or, or some other thing. And, um, and it's amazing because the next thing you know, people want to start telling you stories. And then I, then I want to pull out a pen and piece of paper and say, Hey, let me start writing some things down here. Um, so it, it you know, it's, um, the it's if it's the full gamut of ways uh, as a journalist to get this information and i'm trying and, and my and what i've tried to do is correlate it all into the biblical worldview because i believe it does all fit together and um the more you know the more you have eyes to see the more you see the connections happening and um the more amazing it becomes so so yeah that's that's kind of my my approach um uh, Buzz Aldrin has not uh, has not replied to any of my queries, although his uh, his publicist <laughs> has a couple of times. But hopefully, one of these days, I can get old Buzz on the line, and 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 because I got some questions for him. What would you be asking Buzz Aldrin? I would ask him if it really, really went to the moon. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I I believe that we did, but it would be interesting to see what he what he would have to say. I did. Interview uh, Chuck Yeager, you know, who just uh, recently yes, passed yes, away, right? And uh, Chuck had a uh, was he's a very uh, he was a very uh, kind of cynical, almost grouchy kind of guy. Great old guy, the great uh, hero uh, to me. Uh, but um, but yeah, he basically his answer on the UFO topic was if he, has he ever had UFOs? He says no, I don't I don't drink before I fly. So <laughs> so and uh, so that's okay. Okay, that's that sounds like Chuck. Now, but I think Buzz is a little more open to it. And you know, of course, there's there's many accounts uh, where things were seen uh, when they were they were flying in orbit. There, they, um, a lot of it has been, you know, there's theories that like, well, it was uh, you're looking at uh, space junk, you're looking at uh, cast off pieces of the, uh, the 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 lift vehicle, things like that. Um, but then, uh, what about uh, all the stories about what they saw when they landed on the moon? Um, supposedly, uh, there's a lot, a lot of, uh, witness, uh, testimony, the secondhand, uh, so forth, but, uh, the, the claims the Apollo astronauts did see things when they landed on the moon. So, and Buzz himself has talked about, um, edifices on Mars, um, and, and wanting to know about, um, you know, I think, um, was it Phobos, the Phoebus, asteroid and Phoebus, and, one of, one of, they, one of uh, the, uh, moons like of Mars, something, yeah, Ebus, yes. Yes, yes, that's it. Sorry. Um, and uh, I know that Buzz has, has, has kind of piqued the curiosity there. So I think he's a, a bit of a showman. And uh, I don't know, maybe uh, hopefully if this uh, if this book uh, takes off and gets out into readers' hands, maybe he'll uh, he'll take me seriously and uh, and uh, we can connect about it. Interesting you mentioned Buzz Aldrin because I remember years ago talking to uh, James Fox, who, by the way, has this new documentary out called The Phenomenon. So he had a little pitch for you there, James. But I remember during our conversation, he told me that he flew to France, I believe it was Nice or Southern France, and to meet with Buzz Aldrin for a an interview. And he was supposed to be in the lobby at a certain time in the morning, didn't show up. So after waiting for a couple of hours, he called his room and said, uh, Mr. Aldrin, I'm down here at the lobby. I've been waiting. I came all the way from the United States to France to interview you. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do the interview. So you never know what happens to these people. Is it mind control? Is it somebody saying, <laughs> yes, it's true. don't talk to anybody? And, you know, when you look at that press conference in 1969, the year we were, you were born, 
when the astronauts came back, people see that press conference. That happened, I believe it was months later or weeks later. It was not a couple of days. It was, uh, well, we're talking, I'll find the exact time. But it happened a lot of time after. And it makes you wonder if those three were mind-controlled to the point where this is the only thing you'll be able to say. I mean, who knows what happened? I'm always saying that I'm a skeptic when it comes to the moon. Maybe they use a different kind of technology to go up there. But when you have the the telemetry's gone, the technology's gone, the footage is gone, and now they're saying it's too complicated. We lost every, all the technology. We won't be able to replicate it. And then NASA says that we have we are working on spacesuits in order for the astronauts to go through the Van Allen belt. But they don't tell you, wait a second, we did that several times after 1969. So you see why I'm a skeptic when it comes to the moon? Oh, yes. No, I, and there's a lot of people, Mel, that, uh, that agrees with you about that. And uh, I will say this, um, mind control is real. I mean, um, humans um, are very adept at um, body language reading and, and ways to put things to act to literally manipulate people through mind control. And I believe that um, it's demonic as well. I believe that uh, it can be demonically empowered to, to have to be like a superpower. You know, and uh, so that's very real. And I can also tell you um, from experience, um, work when you work for the uh, for the for the military for the Air Force, um, there's moments in time where uh, you're you're basically instructed, hey, hey um, it's time to stop talking about this. And uh, suddenly, uh, your 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 whole tone and conversation changes. You go yes. back to Roswell, right? We go from sending out press releases uh, saying that uh, we. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, 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 it was a weather balloon. So sorry, we got that wrong. No, we don't, we don't do that. First of all, I don't think um, the Air Force I know does not issue press releases uh, uh, without due uh, caution. So the fact that that already went out and then suddenly the story changed, I'm I'm pretty skeptical about that. Yes, and with Roswell, it's another story. Well, all of a sudden it's a it's a flying disc that crashed. Then it's a weather balloon. Then the occupants were. Uh, what is it, uh, crash test dummies, and they were not even invented at the time. But just, just to go back to what I just said about the press conference from the Apollo mission uh, astronauts, uh, July 16th, 1969, the alleged uh, landing on the moon, and the press conference happened exactly two months later, September the 16th, 1969. So, again, why would they wait two months, two months, to have the astronauts come out and talk about their experiences because they were, I mean, just like when you go scuba diving, you have to decompress for, I don't know, a few hours a day, maybe, but for two months. Anyway, let's move forward to another, one of your witnesses. <laughs> Tell me what, what is that witness that you have that you say, this is an incredible story and I'm glad I caught it. Um, well, um, I, I feel like a lot of that stuff happens organically, and uh, I feel that um, the paranormal and the supernatural, they move and they flow, and there's an ebb and a flow. I believe there's the seen and there's the unseen, and I feel like the unseen is always communicating with us. So it's kind of like you have to have your antenna um, up and ready to receive it. So it's kind of like you know you get an intuition, and aha, like that's something very important, and um, you just kind of know. So um, that doesn't sound very scientific, but that's kind of how, uh, it's just an, a sense that you get. And, um, it seems like when people have a message to give to you, they sort of find you. You don't even have to find them. They, they just sort of just show up in the most random places. Uh, like I say, 
you know, you're getting an oil change. The next thing you know, somebody's telling you about a departed loved one and, you know, suddenly you're trying to console them and, uh, and maybe you're getting some kind of a message. And these, these things are, it's a very real experience. Interesting. You met, you bring this subject up because I remember studying intuition and synchronicity. Some people call it coincidence. I, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in synchronicities. And there are so many examples of things that have happened to many people I know, even to me, that you cannot explain. And you have that in your book in Chapter 2, Intuition and Synchronicity. What did you find about intuition and synchronicity? Well, intuition and synchronicity are, are two ways that, um, that God uh, and the universe, uh, however you want to uh, perceive it, but it's, it's the way that, that we receive the communications, and um, it's very real. And it's not something that, like I say, I'm not, I'm no more special than anybody else. I believe we all have these um, uh, these innate gifts as as human beings, and it's the way that the spiritual um, cont contacts us. And so, yeah, there are no uh, there are no coincidences, uh, um, and a synchronicity is a is a, a coinciding event which has meaning to the receiver. Now, of course, to the skeptic, nothing is is miraculous. So uh, it doesn't matter if it like lands right in their face. You know the the true cynic, the devout you know extremist uh, on on that side of the the the, the, case, the case will not ever see it as anything but you know uh, an accident. You know, but uh, for those with eyes to see, hey, uh, the more you open yourself up to intuition and synchronicity, the more they will you will have these coinciding events. You will have these chance meetings. You will have the phone ring, and suddenly it's a voice you haven't heard. Uh, in years that you were just talking about, and suddenly they call you. These things will happen more and more the more you tune into them, and that's how the unseen universe con contacts and connects with us because it's a different frequency. We're experiencing life through this physical this physical realm. You know, uh, it's like the Matrix. The Matrix is a great metaphor for the spiritual. You know, it's we are in the Matrix, honestly. And I feel like the spiritual world is actually more real than this physical world, and uh, that's what we're uh, getting a glimpse. At. You know, it's, 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 sometimes it's, there's a glitch in the matrix, you know, that's when you, you have a deja vu and that's when you have a synchronicity. And if you follow those leads, uh, they'll take you somewhere special. I bet you, Richard, that 99.9% .9 of the people listening to us right now have predicted when the phone is about to ring. This has happened to everybody, I think. And somebody told me once, especially the, the gentleman that I interviewed regarding synchronicity, that we have the ability, obviously, to remember our past, but we also have the ability to remember our future. And that doesn't make sense, right, when you say it, remember our future, but we can actually predict it somehow. And perhaps, you know, predicting a phone call could be the start. You can actually develop that attribute. And that's part of being spiritual and this is why yes some people are saying be careful and i don't mean to bring the the v-a-x-i-n-e or v-a-c-c-i-n-e that's <laughs> about to be given to a lot of people they're ready to ready to roll up their sleeves one of the ingredients <laughs> there supposedly attacks or amends one of your chromosomes and it's the chromosome responsible for compassion empathy and spirituality do you think there's a concerted effort mm. to remove that, and as you call it, God or the universe, to remove that connection from all of us? Well, I mean, that that's very interesting. And uh, there's a lot of people who theorize about that in terms of, um, um, like, the people that are more on the sides of end times prophecy and um, 
you know, antichrist. I mean, the truth is, is we've had many antichrists over time, and we'll probably continue to have many more. Something like that is a very interesting uh, thing to think about. I mean, wh- what if the alien greys are really us from the future, cold and emotionless? I mean, and re- and really, this doesn't contradict. If you understand God as being uh, the creator, you know, there's this um, uh, science knows that there's an irreducible singularity. We call him God. Uh, did all this, so so then God in the spirit must uh, abide outside the created the created universe, including time and space. So if you're outside of time and space in the spirit, then of course you could be in the future or the past, either one, and you could see what's coming. And, and um, if you are psychically connected right now, my friend, about this vaccine, you know it's something to be you know a little cautious about. Oh, you use the word. That's that's going <laughs> to some algorithm out there is going to catch that word and say, oh, very test. This show is, is going to be down. But intuition again, <laughs> the psychology of intuition, the intuition and pets. You discuss that, too. Intuition and pets. I mean, oh, yeah. how many people actually can actually talk? I mean, it's not the crazy cat lady I'm talking about, but many people actually can communicate with pets. Oh, yeah. Well. Well, um, animals are very spiritual creatures, especially high-level animals like our domesticated animals, like horses and dogs, cats, things like that. Um, and the thing about it is animals don't have all the other uh, dramas and um, ego issues and stuff like that that we humans uh, have, that which get in the way of our spiritual communication. So in many ways, I feel like animals are more spiritually uh, pure and connected um, to God and the universe than we are because – like like I said, we have our own you know agendas and, and egos and 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 hurt feelings and whatever else that gets in the way of communication and the the energy you get from an animal is the words that she's very interested because she is very interested and she stares deeply into my soul and deeply into the slice of pizza that I'm trying to eat. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean I've right. had I've had um, I mean animals. I think you know the old saying all dogs go to heaven. I believe that animals have a soul. You know a lot of Christians don't want to go there. Uh, the church can't uh, doesn't say it's not true. It's pretty much uh, not really what they think. Uh, but uh, but we really don't know. We don't know what uh, how. But how wondrous could heaven be if there were animals and plants and and you know I mean the apostle Paul talks about uh, something that sounds a lot like an out of body experience and he said there's a lot of things there that he can't really describe because when you come back into this earth plane you know we we don't have we got the hardware but we can't download the software. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, these pets. Um, people have experienced their pets. I have after they've passed away. I mean, you know, I had a situation where I was flipping through my phone the other day, and this was uh, recently, and um, I was not looking for a picture of my dog, and and I and I have uh, something like f- over four thousand, almost five thousand photos on my iPhone. It's ridiculous. I really need to uh, find some time to to move those over. But as I'm scrolling through, I just happen to land, and I'm going, you know, probably a couple of hundred. Uh, pictures per swipe. I mean, it's, it's really flying. And I happened to land on, there's a picture of my dog and it hit me, uh, my departed dog, Rocky. Uh, he died a few years ago. And I, and I happened to think about him uh, when I saw the photo and then I checked and it was actually the very anniversary date of his death. Wow. Wow. So, see, th- this is the kind of story. Now to the skeptic. Go ahead. Richard, you're there. Go ahead. Yeah. We have a little bit of a delay back and forth, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, um, you know, there's probably nefarious uh, forces uh, that don't want these messages getting out to the world, uh, quite honestly. But, um, but yeah, that's um, that's the kind of thing that's a, a that a skeptic will say it's just a coincidence. But you know, in your heart, when a spirit uh, a spiritual experience has has impacted you, and uh, you know, I had the same thing 
thing happened with my cat Misty um, after she passed away. Uh, I, bees come and uh, come and pay me visits uh, every year anniversary of my mom's death, um, and, and they won't let me forget. Like even if I forget, and I mean, how could I forget? But you know, you get busy, and uh, and then suddenly, I'm, I'm, suddenly there's this bee that won't leave me alone flying around in my face, and I'm like, wait, what's the date? And then I look at my calendar. Oh yeah, that's right. Today's the anniversary date of my mom's passing. You know, it's just amazing things. Yes, yes. And about pets, you know, it's interesting how some people in religion, and I'm not, I don't mean to attack religion, but uh, for example, I remember my daughter was seven years old uh, when our beagle dog died in 2014. And uh, that affected all of us, obviously. And then when she went to school the next day, the, the Catholic school, parochial school, uh, they were saying that day, okay, so today, uh, just tell us who you want to pray for. And when it was her turn, I mean, the kids were, oh, I want to pray with my grandpa that passed away and, you know, my aunt, blah, blah, blah. When it came to her, she said, I want to pray for my dog that just died. And the teacher said, I'm sorry, but we don't pray for pets. They don't have a soul. And how do you explain that to a child? And then I have so many people who have told me, all you need to do is look at, at, at any animal, any living being in the eye, and you'll know that they have a soul. So how can you prove anybody out there who's very religious and oversellers, and I have a problem with that, when they say they do not have a soul? Where do you stand? Well, this is one of the reasons that I wrote this book, because uh, so many religious leaders, uh, pastors, um, leaders of all denominations, um, they make these hardline stances on things that really aren't supported by Scripture. Um, there's definitely things that the Scriptures don't speak about, and if it doesn't speak about it, I mean, you know, the, the Church can't say that uh, pets don't have a soul, because—and the, the great thinkers of the Church actually said that they do have a soul, but it's, a, it's not the, the doctors of the Church, you know, they say it's not the same as our soul. But uh, this idea that we have of, like— um, do the animals have immortality in the same way that we do? And I think that, I think I think we can't say that they don't because we don't know. And and, and to say that they're not, not spiritual, I mean, they they feel the emotions that we feel. They read our minds, even. You know, I've seen pets read human minds, and uh, it's more than just being attuned to our actions because you can literally speak to a pet telepathically. I've I've tested this out myself. Um, it's part of the connection that we that we have with them. And um, yeah, so you hear a lot of de uh, very declaratory statements, and then people get they get mad at religion, they get mad at God. And, and the thing I'm trying to do is I'm trying to recover the supernatural worldview of the Bible and trying to recover the faith and let you know that hey, it's okay. Because guess what, Mel? There's plenty and plenty and plenty and plenty of Christians that do very much think that their dogs go to heaven, and they don't care what the church or any other leader says about it. They know what they feel. And, um, you know, there are certain things that the Bible says and it doesn't say, and I believe every word that's in the Bible, but people have added their own things. You know, the Bible never said that um, the earth is the center of the universe or the center of the solar system, but people in from the church, uh, certain people, put it upon uh, the Bible, but it's not. It's not there. In fact, the Bible says kind of the opposite. It says, you know, God suspends the earth over nothing. And if you actually look at the Earth, it's amazing. That's actually true, and it's philosophically true. You know, not not necessarily scientifically true, but gravity is not something you see. And if you look at the Earth, it's a big blue shining marble, literally hanging in the blackness of space, and that is miraculous. And if you were looking at it as an ancient seer, this truth revealed to you, you don't know what gravity is or anything else. You're going to see God suspends the Earth over nothing. That doesn't mean that you know uh, science is wrong and what it's saying, and it doesn't mean the Bible is wrong either. It's just a matter of a point of view. And obviously we have 
many people who believe the earth is round. And I have also many people who believe that the earth is flat. And some say, oh, if it's flat, that just proves that there's creation behind it. I say to that, if the earth is a ball, that also brings creation into the equation. So one is not more important than the other. I'm a globe skeptic myself, but I cannot prove either or right now. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the sacred geometry that we see in the universe, whether you believe that there's a firmament, uh, you believe that the planets are wandering stars, or you believe that there's planets out there in multiple galaxies. I mean, something happened that created order out of chaos. And I think that this, this does not happen just uh, by chance. I agree with you. Absolutely. It's not by chance. And, um, and it really doesn't matter, uh, does it, then, if the Earth is flat? Um, I mean, I've, I believe, however, I haven't personally been in the space and seen it with my own eyes. Um, and we really don't know from the ancient writers uh, from the Bible whether they knew it, it was uh, whether they knew it was round or whether they believed it was flat or what it is. Because um, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about God stands above the circle of the earth, and um, so a lot of people believe that means sphere. And uh, it's really hard to know for sure because they could have also thought that circle meant a flat disk. So uh, with a dome over it. And um, I mean, there's a lot of people that believe that. I personally don't. I'm not really an Earth skeptic. However, have I seen it with my own two eyes? I haven't. I mean, I think you can remote travel out there and take a look at the Earth. And um, and uh, so my sense is that it's 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 my intuitive sense is that it's 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 spherical. Uh, but but I haven't with my own two eyes been to space to see it for myself. But you see, at least you stay in the middle. If evidence is presented to you, I would think that you would change with the evidence. But you're not close-minded enough or you don't have cognitive dissonance saying, there's no way that this is black or white. Because you're saying to me, I haven't been up there, you know, 100,000 feet above the ground or, you know, 200 miles above the earth or 500 miles, you know, beyond low earth orbit to be able to see it, right? Absolutely. I have not been to space uh, maybe Buzz can can make some connections for me if we ever get to talk. But I would love to go to space. Um, but yeah, so you've got to stay you've got to stay open minded with this stuff, Mel. I mean, it's really it's very important. Um, there's a I do know. I know that God is real. Um, I know that we um, we the, there is something on the other side. I believe the Bible testimony, and I and I believe that we're all connected spiritually, and we're here on the earth to learn how to get along, to learn how to love each other, and to listen and and be patient with each other. And um, you know, we are not gods unto ourselves, so we have no right to make declarative statements to people. I mean, we can believe something, and then we can say this is why we believe it. And once again, once you have evidence presented, then hey, um, maybe maybe it's not what 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 I thought. But when you've actually experienced these things like a lot of Christians don't think that uh, they're ghosts um, but um, when you've seen a ghost with your, your own right mind and you've experienced after-death communications and you've seen these things you know what you know and basically that's kind of what the the Bible writer said too it's like we can't help but testify to these things we've witnessed I mean the, the life and times of Jesus Christ were with miracle after miracle and um, this is the testament of sacred scriptures yeah very important all of that I'm thinking this is being recorded a few days before Christmas Eve is airing, airing on Christmas Eve. But from now, and I have to always say this because things have been so fluid lately, 
that in a couple of days, life might change. And I have to make this uh, preface here by saying that in the next few days before, and I'm getting confused. If you are listening on the 24th of December, <laughs> according to certain sources I have, some are talking about six days of darkness. Some are talking about this year from the 21st to the 24th. This is obviously the, uh, the winter solstice. We're going to see things that we haven't seen in hundreds of years. Others are talking about perhaps going to martial law. So I don't know. I hope that level heads will prevail when when this show airs. But I'm just, I want to leave this here because we are preparing. We are preparing for, just like you prepare for a storm. But one thing I want to say, and this, you know, it's interesting how we have, we can weave between the coronavirus and this situation with the, with the uh, paranormal. Because we, we think of the Akashic Records. We, we think of uh, consciousness and, and, and everything that comes with it. Uh, the fact that we, when we are together, we can actually make change, you know, collective consciousness. And if you think about what the governments, at least in the United States and I know in Europe, they're doing, they're trying to prevent people from getting together. The three places since ancient times, taverns, restaurants, and churches. Those were the three places where people planned a better world or, you know, vice versa. And what are the three places that they want us not to go right now? Bars, taverns, restaurants, and churches. Could it be that they have realized that when we get together, we really put an effect into the collective consciousness of the world and they want to keep us separate so that we don't have that power? Absolutely. Whether there is a um, whether there will, um, earthly conspiracy going on or not, I don't know. But I will tell you this. Uh, this is how the enemy, this is how our spiritual enemy thinks. This is how Satan operates. It's by keeping us separate. He does not want us in community with each other. He does not want us working to build a better world. He wants to tear us down. He wants us to hate each other. He wants us ultimately to kill each other. And he wants um, to hurt God by having us hurt each other. And, you know, uh, um, human beings have dealt with um, pandemics and catastrophes. I mean, we've lived through ice ages. We've survived a lot. And we're very resilient as a species. Um, but, but there does seem to be a lot of signs. Uh, there's, there's signs in the heavens. Uh, people are having visions. Uh, things are happening. Everybody wants to, uh, 2020 to be over and thinks that 2021 will be better. But 2020 very well may be simply a warm-up for something much, much worse, just like you said. I hope not, but it could be. And I would say to all the listeners, no matter what you think, Jesus Christ is your friend. Turn to the Lord. No matter what happens in the future, you can trust him. You can believe in him and abide in him, and he will, he will abide in you and get you through whatever's coming. And this is important to say it, especially during Christmas, because I know, I know this year has been challenging for everyone for multiple reasons, some more than others, but it has affected all of us. But exercise gratitude, because we are here, we are alive, we are witnessing something big. Whether there's something big happening, sometimes the darkest moment of the night is the moment before dawn. And this is exactly what I want you to think of tonight during Christmas Eve. Because tomorrow, we have the opportunity to rise again and make it a better world. 
When we come back, I want to continue discussing all of this, more of your witness testimony. I want to apologize because we've had some technical problems. One more hour when we come back. How can people buy the book, Richard? Your sentiments on, on this day and the significance and the bright tomorrow is beautiful, sir. Uh, you're, you're definitely a poet um, and, and a scholar. Um, so my book is available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can contact basically any of your normal booksellers and you can get it. Um, you can also connect with me on ZoranPress.com. I also have a Facebook page for The Paranormal Christian. And um, I also have a film reviews page on there, too, called the L.A. Film Reviews. If you're not even into this paranormal stuff and you just want to talk about movies, um, I love to talk to people. I love to hear all your opinions. And uh, and yeah, please. I mean, uh, it's hard to be an independent author and come up in the world and all the support. I appreciate it. And put your reviews on Amazon, too, by the way, all of you that uh, that like the book or even if you don't, please. I, I welcome all, all opinions. The Paranormal Christian, bridging the gap between unusual experiences and the biblical worldview. Much more. One more hour. When we come back in the member section. This is Mel Hustlerick. My special guest today is Richard Lewis. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, Proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas. Because you don't want to believe. You want to know.